It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors. Sean here as always with you, and I'm joined as I usually am on Mondays by Vivek Jacob of Raptors.com today to talk all about a pair of Raptors wins over the weekend against the Clippers and the Knicks. But more importantly than the wins is the fact that the Raptors are whole again. They finally have their whole roster, mostly, except for Isak Bonga, available. It's very exciting. We're going to talk about our takeaways from the two games. We're going to talk about Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and how well they've been playing, what we're excited for now that the team is finally whole. And of course, we've got a pair of dudes of the game to hand out from Friday and Sunday. That's all coming up on today's episode of Lockdown Raptors with Vivek Jacob. Thanks for being here. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to episode number 1089 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, January the 3rd. Happy New Year, everybody. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. You can also find the podcast free and available on all your favorite podcast platforms. So please go subscribe. And of course, hit that big red subscribe button on the Locked On Raptors YouTube channel as well. It's, as well, it's very much appreciated when you go ahead and do that and support the show. You rock. Uh, and also, thank you as always for making us your first listen of the day. All right, let's get to it on today's show. We have a pair of Raptors wins to talk about, a whole and complete Toronto Raptors roster for literally the first time all season. And joining me to break it all down is, of course, Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com. Big V, Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Happy New Year. I'm doing well. Uh, you know, getting through it all. We'll see what new restrictions come down on us and yeah. uh, try to make our way through. Uh, but 
the Raptors are winning, and that's uh, a big plus. And yeah. Pascal Siakam's playing great, and Fred Van Vliet looked great. Uh, so, yeah, uh, in the basketball front, it's a, a lot of positives. Yeah, the world is melting down. Ontario might be going even further back into some form of lockdown. Uh, honestly, don't know what that would even mean for the Raptors. I can't imagine they'd be booted out or anything like that. But we'll see, because who knows? Because the Ontario government just makes stuff up as they go along. So we'll see. Uh, hopefully the Raptors remain in Toronto. Uh, they will not have fans in the building for at least another couple weeks, as they introduced a fanless experience over the weekend. Pretty weird, not going to lie, but a lot better than, of course, being down in Tampa with no fans and all that. Um, so, Vivek, let's dive into some takeaways from this weekend, shall we? It was fun basketball from the Raptors. Obviously, a couple of games against a couple of teams that were depleted by injury and COVID. And so there's only so much you can really take from them in terms of big picture stuff. But I found myself wanting to glean big picture takeaways because it's the first time we've finally seen the team kind of as it was intended from the start of the year, just the fourth time on Sunday that we saw the five-man lineup of Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes play together. Uh, it's like the fourth time or the fifth time we've seen the main three core guys who you kind of consider coming into the season as the main core play together. It's been a wild, wild ride to get here, Vivek. But now nearing the halfway point of the season, the Raptors are nearly whole. Any grand takeaways from what you've seen from the last couple of games? Obviously, no Scotty Barnes on Friday, so it wasn't the complete broad you know, picture, but uh, everyone else was there. Uh, overall sort of impressions from a 2-0 weekend for your now fully complete and together knock on wood Toronto Raptors. Pascal Siakam is, to me, all the way back, baby. Hell um, yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think when you look, I think the big thing for me is just his play around the paint. Uh, sure. I think that's the biggest indicator for me when you see that touch off the glass, the, that finishing around the rim, uh, the comfort with double teams and finding uh, the open man, those those things are really standing out. Defensively, he's doing a great job. His energy on the glass is incredible. I mean, the, the three games back, he's averaging 24 points, 13 rebounds, seven assists, almost two steals, and a block. So, yeah, that, get, that gets you giddy because, you know, uh, for him to be playing at that level, uh, the ceiling of this team – changes uh quite dramatically because now again you're getting back into that conversation where everyone's healthy everyone's playing uh the way they looked the last couple games uh you know you sneak into that five six spot and then uh you try to see what happens yeah, lately I'm very much finding myself wanting every possession to run through Pascal Siakam in some way, shape, or form because good things tend to happen. He's gotten so ridiculously good, and this was on display in full against the Knicks, who were really loading up on him when he you know, got into traffic, was in sort of in the middle of the defense. He was seeing two, three bodies, and the way he's kind of learned to evade those oncoming defenders, those double and triple teams, and find guys for open looks, whether it's cutting bigs, who he's just hitting with beautiful little short passes, or he's kicking out with these sort of like off-balance weirdo kickouts to the far wing. It's all been really, really beautiful, and it's just like a wonderful advancement from where he was even a couple of years ago when he was an all-NBA player. Obviously, the scoring's not where it was right now. The three-point shooting is still down. But let me ask you this, Vivek. 
Would you prefer, like, you're, you're, you're picking teams on a playground. You get two versions of Pascal Siakam to pick first, I guess. Uh, and you have the 2019-20 second team All-NBA Pascal Siakam. Or you get this version of Pascal Siakam, a little bit lower scoring, advanced playmaking, all the defense that you know and love. Which Pascal Siakam are you taking? That's a great question. <clears throat> I mean... If you take it on the whole, I would say this this Pascal Siakam, uh, mm-hmm. because then you're factoring the bubble play and all of that. If you t- if you give me the Pascal Siakam that we saw in March 2020, like on that West Coast trip, and sure. uh, for fans who remember those games against the Utah Jazz and the Sacramento Kings, mm-hmm. like I remember watching that that Pascal Siakam and thinking the Raptors can absolutely defend the title. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I, I think he is very, very, very close to that. I, I think the only thing missing is the three point shooting. Um, but the playmaking is there. Uh, the scoring is there. The rebounding is there. Uh, the leadership is there. Uh, and and I like what Nick Nurse said post game where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he talked about the Philly game and how heavily they had to rely on Pascal. Yeah. And then it just seems like Pascal has been like, I'm just going to be this dude all the time. Mm-hmm. Everyone else can fall in line. And, <laughs> I, I, and I think that's great for the team. Yeah, he's been incredible. And then on the other side of things, too, you got Fred Van Vliet, who's playing his ass off right now, too. He had 35 points against the Knicks on Sunday, 31 on Friday against the Clippers as well. He's been on a ridiculous tear lately. He's up to 21-5 and nearly 7 a game on uh, 40% from downtown, 43.8% overall. Uh, he's been really, really incredible. And, you know, look, we're, we're going to not do the 2019-20 comparison or anything like that because that was its own sort of like entity of a team and all that. But that team was really freaking good, and it was built around Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam as its two best players. And this version of Fred Van Vliet is as good or better than that version of Kyle Lowry in 2019-20. Maybe not better because he was like putting the team on his back every other game. But like I think the overall sort of output, it's been a bloody efficient and really excellent season from Van Vliet so far. He's been the steadying force. He's a better defender than Lowry was certainly in 2019-20. And now you start dreaming on like what this team can do now that they're fully healthy. They're 16 and 17. They're very much in the play-in race right now. Not at all far from potentially being in a race for a six seed. Obviously, the Sixers are good when even not fully together because Joel Embiid's a monster. You've got the Cavs who, yes, they're suffering some injuries right now, but they're also playing really well. And Evan Mobley's a freaking monster and they're terrifying. Uh, you know, maybe it's not possible to get to a six seed right now. And, you know, they've lost a lot of ground in terms of trying trying to rack up wins by losing 17 games already. But, you know, do you think, A, that the play of Siakam and Van Vliet right now is sustainable? And B, where do you think that can kind of lead them if you were like sort of projecting a pace for them to play at for the rest of the season, if they can maintain some semblance of health? Like, is, you know, getting up to, you know, there's 50 games left, 49 games left. Is it crazy to suggest they could go like 30 and 20 to close the season or 30 and 19, whatever that number would be? Is that too insane? I don't know. It's just two games against two incomplete teams. So you want to have as many grains of salt as possible. But with these guys playing at this level, it feels like, you know, some wins are very much in the near future for this team. Yeah, I think it's very much sustainable. Uh, Just 
putting aside the numbers, mm-hmm. if you look at what uh, Siakam is doing um, on a constructive level in terms of his paint touches, in terms of how he's scoring around the basket, creating that mm-hmm. separation, uh, the burst that he's showing now, that assertiveness to get to the rim, getting to the free throw line. Um, and Fred Van Vliet, you know, this last game against the Knicks was probably, you know, the most <clears throat> natural way that you'd like to see him score. Sure. And so, you know, a lot of catch and shoot opportunities, not as much of him having to try and create something out of nothing. Uh, and, you know, situations that were just asked of him too often because of who was available. So <clears throat> I think with, with that, you know, in terms of the actual construction of, uh, how they're getting their points. I think that is very much sustainable. You know, is Fred going to put up 35 uh, every night? No. Is, uh, you know, Pascal going to ha- need that level of usage and, uh, you know, be that, uh, you know, uh, orchestrative every night? No. But uh, I think when, once Scotty Barnes really gets his legs under him uh, and OG continues as well, Mm-hmm. They, they can maintain that style of play for sure. Yeah, I, I think there's just like a new sort of floor for the half-court offense in particular when Siakam and Fred are playing this way and when Siakam is doing so much to kind of get into the teeth of defenses and compromise them and then the options he has to pass to are often very, very good and likely to hit threes. Uh, it, it's, you know, I, I think there's just like a new sort of level that this offense can get to and I think we know what this defense can be when it's kind of up at full steam obviously it's been a bit of a struggle this season not in any small part due to the you know the the lack of chemistry and lack of continuity I think if they can get some games under them with this group and again knock on all the pieces of wood you can find in your vicinity but if they can get some run together with these guys like you would think that the defensive sort of efficiency is going to restabilize a little bit it'll climb back up and the offense figures to kind of hum along at a pace even higher than the top 10 pace they've mostly been at all season right like that's the thing is they've not exactly struggled offensively yes there have been moments and stretches of games where they've really gotten bogged down but overall they've been maintaining something resembling a top 10 offense through their transition and if the half court offense gets even a little bit more reliable because you have this sort of top down of Fred and Siakam setting things up for everybody else, then you're talking about an offense that can be a little bit more effective than maybe even we thought it could be coming into the season. So very exciting stuff. Also very exciting, the fact is the fact that the Raptors are fully healthy and we get to talk about all of these guys and how the sort of interconnective parts come together. We're going to get into that in just a second here and talk about the things we're most excited to see now that the Raptors have their full complement of players back. That's coming up in a sec. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars that taste like a candy bar. You should try them out. It's the new year, so that means new New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. I don't know about you, but I've spent the last two weeks slothing around my house eating chocolate, eating candy, eating appetizers, eating entire shrimp rings. I've been eating like a monster over the last couple weeks, and I need to kind of get back on track. And Built Bars are going to help me do that because they're a lovely little meal replacement, and they kind of give you that, they scratch that itch of, oh, I need something indulgent and sweet right now. I'm going to go have a Built Bar instead, though, of like a candy bar or a large brick of chocolate, and it's going to be that much better for you. It got, it has lots of protein, of course, and it's not loaded with all that stuff. 
you don't want, like sugar and carbs. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to the candy bar of a regular size, usually about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. It's not even a comparison. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, and be sure to throw all the crap you got in there and replace them with built bars. It's a wonderful way to start the new year off, right? Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You don't have to feel guilty about, and there's a ton of flavors for you to choose from. So pick your favorite, order yourself a box, and start again the new year off with Built Bar. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. That's the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day with Vivek Jacob from Raptors.com and Big V. The Raptors finally have all their guys back. We saw the Raptors start small yesterday. I think that was kind of the expectation, especially considering the Knicks were missing Nerlens Noel and Mitchell Robinson. Not exactly a lot of beef on that team yesterday. Uh, and again, everything in terms of the excitement over the last couple of games has to be couched a little bit because the Clippers and the Knicks were not complete in any way. Although the Clippers did have the king, Xavier Moon, available and chose not to play him. So that's their damn fault for not using the CEBL legend to their advantage. Either way, uh, Big V, now that the Raptors are complete, we saw the lineup machinations. We saw Nick Nurse's rotations. I'm curious, any thoughts on the way we saw the roster deployed on Sunday by Nick Nurse, even on Friday as well before Scotty Barnes got back? And and what are you more so like looking forward to now that this crew is together? Is there anything that you're kind of keeping an eye on in terms of minutes, patterns, ways guys sort of work together and, and are paired with one another? What are your sort of thoughts on just sort of seeing the full complement of players now back and playing together? Yeah, I think uh, seeing whether Nurse's expectation that that small ball five can be the best defensive unit is mm -hmm. what I'm curious to see. Obviously, in theory, you can see all the reasons why it would be uh, mm -hmm. when you can have Scotty and OG and uh, Pascal out there complemented by Fred and Gary's improved defense. Going to need to see Gary stay on the floor uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> for that to happen. Uh, but... You know, outside of that, you know, I think long term, I still believe that uh, Kem Birch uh, in the starting unit is a better fit. Um, I just feel like, <clears throat> you know, this was a perfect game where, as you said, there's no Nerlens Noel, there's no Mitchell Robinson. Uh, would you go with that five uh, against Philly? Uh, I'm not quite so sure. Mm -hmm. would, would you go, uh, you know, 
uh, with that five against Chicago uh, with Vucevic? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you know, so things like that, uh, when you think about potential matchups, I, I don't know if this is the best five for those type of games, but hey, uh, I'm happy to see it play out that, that way first. Uh, I'm happy mm-hmm. to see how far uh, this five can go. Uh, and then obviously, you, you know, in terms of the rotational patterns, the big one is you know, taking Scotty out early so that he can uh, lead the bench unit so they can play make. Uh, and so uh, getting him those reps is really important for, uh, for his long-term growth because mm-hmm. I do think, you know, when he's at the peak of his career, that's where he's going to be just the majority of possessions, him bring the ball up the floor, mm-hmm. uh, reading the defense and making plays off that. Yeah, so I I think I disagree with you on the sort of, you know, can they get by with this lineup, you know, as sort of a more longer term static starting five. I think they can, and I think it's because they're still huge, even though they're small, right? Like the, the Siakam OG Barnes trio is a nightmare to go up against, regardless of if they're playing the two through four, the one through three, the four through the three through five, like they're a nightmare and there's arms everywhere. And then you got little Fred Van Vliet just like coming in like a bowling ball from time to time as well. I think they can get by. And I actually like the idea of even against a team like Philly or Denver or something like that, you know, the Bulls you mentioned as well, kind of like the idea of like putting it to them and sort of daring those teams to play the way the Raptors want to play. I like the idea of putting a team on their back heel, you know, We'll see if it holds up, but like we've seen them have success against Joel Embiid without Marc Gasol in the last couple of seasons, right? They've they've been able to figure out a way to Aaron Baines, him. baby. Hell yeah, baby. They didn't do it last week, of course. He had 36 points. He was really, really good, but they were also super depleted in that game, as we've talked about. And I think with like Barnes, OG, and Siakam just kind of ranging around you kind of make up for the lack of beef with a lot of mobility and ability to kind of send doubles and not get burned for it, especially against a guy like Embiid, who, you know, I think it's always going to be framed through him because he's this sort of pillar of the Eastern Conference you're going to have to go through at some point. Like, Embiid is not the greatest passer out of double teams. He's gotten better, certainly, but the Raptors even gave him trouble last week with that. So I think you can probably get by in most matchups in today's NBA with that starting line. And I think I would prefer they stick with it because there's just so much that lineup can do offensively. That's really fun. There's just like endless options. This is the sort of joy of watching that group is, you know, I think there's going to be at some point, this sort of discourse about oh, whose team is it? Who's got the ball? Who's taking the shots? I don't really care. All of them are guys who can get buckets and who I'm comfortable taking shots with taking shots. Why not have five, like make the whole planet of dudes who can score. That's nothing wrong with that to me. And so I'm cool with that lineup as the sort of thing going forward here, but it does require that the second unit is good and, and bolstered and, and is able to kind of maintain. And obviously Birch and Achua will have their moments against big center matchups as well. I, I guess this sort of leads into the question of those rotations you were talking about and Scotty Barnes coming out early, coming back in with the second unit. We saw him run with OG a little bit as a sort of mismatch, sort of they were the anchors of that second unit for a bit. I think we'll probably see him do it with Trent quite a bit, Barnes and Trent as a duo. And that's a combo I like a lot. Um, I'm curious though, like 
the sort of casualty of this new rotation is anyone with any hopes of being the backup point guard for this team in a traditional sense, meaning Malachi Flynn is kind of seemingly on the outs. He did not play except for garbage time against the Knicks. And if they're going to really kind of give Siakam and Barnes that backup point guard duty when Fred Van Vliet's not on the floor, it really does seem to take away from any avenue for Malachi Flynn to get in there because I think Nick Nurse would just rather have six foot nine dudes be the point guard than a six foot dude, all things considered. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet's his own different case, but Flynn has not been good enough. Do you like the concept of just kind of rolling with Barnes and Siakam as your backup point guards and saying, you know what, it's been nice, Malachi Flynn, but you're obviously not part of the long term plans here? Do you think this is just sort of a little blip and maybe we see a, a backup point guard worked in a little bit more regularly? I, I personally have no problem with it. I think it's the correct way to go about and maximize the best players you have on the floor at all times. But where are you at on the idea of the point guard situation, which has been kind of muddled by this new rotation change now that they have everyone available? Uh, yeah, I'm fine with it. I think this is uh, the optimal way uh, to play going forward uh, mm-hmm. and getting – Barnes on the ball, Siakam on the ball. Those are better options. I will say another casualty is Utah Watanabe. Um, yeah. Uh, and he, Nurse has indicated that now going forward, it's going to be, uh, you know, hey, do I need a different kind of spark uh, at the guard? Then then he'll consider Malachi or Delano. And in the right. same way, it, it becomes Svi versus Utah in terms of, hey, do I want the extra wing guy? Do I want... Uh, a little extra theoretical spacing, um, and and so I think that <clears throat> becomes a bit more interesting as well. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be strange to see Utah fall out of the rotation, but hey, uh, that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I think this is where you know uh, again for me in my theoretical lineup of Ken Birch at the five, mm-hmm. Gary slides out. And now he's the backup too. And now you just don't need Svi at all, right? And sure. so I, I think raising that floor a little is kind of maybe where I'm caught up uh, with uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so, again, I'm happy to see how this small ball five uh, plays uh, over a long stretch of games. And hopefully they can be healthy and stay out of any kind of trouble. Um so yeah, let, let, let things take its natural course, uh, and then yeah, w- with Malachi and Alano, uh, that natural course is, is probably just being ready to provide a spark, uh, you know, in an emergency situation. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think we'll probably see the rotation patterns sort of defined by how the bench guys are playing, right? It's been a constant struggle to get the second unit to perform this season. And, you know, various guys have popped at different times. And I agree. I think it's weird that Utah seemingly was the odd man out yesterday, even though I think on balance, he's had a better season and more of an impact than Svi has. But, you know, as Nurse mentioned, you know, having like a sort of Gary Trent Jr. style player in there in the form of Svi is kind of the reason he likes him in there. I think maybe that changes over time if Svi continues to like not hit threes or whatnot. But, um, you know, I, I think it's it's going to very much be determined by how these guys play. And that leads us into the final segment of the show. We got dudes of the game to hand out Vivek, one of whom I think is a pretty interesting beneficiary of the way the rotation has worked out. The other one is just a really damn good basketball player who hasn't won a dude of the game yet so far this year. And I'm excited to hand it out. So that's coming up in just one second here. 
to close out Locked On Raptors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. And Vivek, we continue on here, digging in to the dudes of the game from Friday and Saturday. If you're not familiar, if you're diving in, your New Year's resolution was to listen to Locked On Raptors every day. Well, thank you, number one. Uh, but <laughs> we should also explain the segment, which is, of course, the dude of the game. It's the guy who didn't really have like the biggest impact on the game necessarily, but did a lot of dude-type things to help the Raptors win or you know, almost win or whatever the hell the situation might have been. Either way... Bit of an interesting due to the game pick for Friday's game against the Clippers that I have on tap here, Vivek. Obviously, you know, usually this is reserved for sort of role player situations, but this game kind of only featured three Raptors really shining. It was OG Ananobi with the 26 points, Fred Van Vliet with 31, and your due to the game, picking up his first due to the game win all season long, is Pascal Siakam, baby, who had a lot going for him in that game on Friday he was unbelievable 25 points he had the seven assists 19 rebounds he was just uh everywhere doing everything for this Raptors team and I think very worthy of the dude of the game considering he was kind of the engine behind a lot of their success in that game against LA thoughts on Pascal Siakam getting his first due to the game win again this is not a slight against Pascal just means he's been too good and star-like to really be considered for this award too often this season yeah, he's been awesome. So he deserves all the awards he can get right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, if, if, they, if they found a way uh, to pull off that win against Philly, he's probably looking at an Eastern Conference uh, Player of the Week nomination. Yeah, um, point. So I, I think he's playing really, really well. Um, again, it, it's, it's really satisfying uh, to see him at this level again because mm-hmm. I think – uh, both of, of of us uh, and, you know, people like Samson have been and Lewis Satsman as well. Uh, the smart people. Been, You're damn right. I've <laughs> <laughs> been in that minority that, hey, you know, this isn't a Space Jam movie. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it, he's going to get it back. And uh, here he is. Here he is. He's back. And uh, this is part of why, you know, I think we had that uh, episode where, uh, you know, we were – I think your question to me was, oh, what were the better better chances of, you know, whether it was Scotty Barnes becoming the best player on the team or OG mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, uh, and I, I couldn't get behind Scotty be- being the best player on the team yet mm-hmm. because in my mind, I was still like, when Pascal is Pascal, like <laughs> there's no question who the best player on this team is. Um, and it's very much looking like that right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could go Fred. That's an interesting one. Right now, I still think Pascal's like the most talented player on the team. Maybe Barnes yeah. is the most like raw talented. I think Siakam is the most like polished and refined of the talented guys. Yeah. But like Fred's been amazing too. If you had to pick one guy right now, I'm making you pick again like we're on the schoolyard. But like Fred or Pascal as the Raptors' best player right now, who you got? I mean, in terms of the best player, I'd still say Pascal. Uh mm-hmm. In terms of the most impactful, uh, I would say uh, Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, it's kind of like that championship season where it's like Kawhi Leonard is obviously the best player on the team, but yeah. you know, in terms of making everything function the right way, Kyle Lowry is probably you know the most important. And mm-hmm. and uh, so this season, uh, you know, I, I do think Pascal is the best player on the team at this level right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then again, you know, you talk about making other players better, uh, when he's playing like that and you see how much easier the game gets for Fred as well. Yeah. Uh, and you see the catch and shoot opportunities and all of that. And, and even when, you know, Pascal's defending in the post and Fred's like, all right, I, I know I can, I can go dig, uh, mm-hmm. cause Pascal's going to hold his own and really create some problems here. Uh, all of that. Uh, to me, makes ba- Pascal the best player on the team. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, you know, I think Fred has had the best season of any Raptor. I think that's probably a fair way to put it. But I think the way Siakam yeah. is playing right now, like no Raptor can reach the levels that Siakam is at right now, presently as it exists. I'm sure Scotty Barnes will get there very soon. He's awesome. Uh, and I, I'm really excited for Barnes to be unleashed as the second you know, point guard a little bit more. He had no assist in that game against the Knicks. Hopefully that kind of ticks back up because he's really, really fun when they kind of let him do stuff. But if he's just going to knock down threes, I guess that's fine too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the point you make, like it, it's, it is also similar to you know, the 2013-14 Raptors where, like, you know, DeRozan and Lowry, clearly the most impactful players, but Terrence Ross, obviously the best player on the team. <laughs> I had to get that in. Uh, let's go to the, the game for the hey, game. Big night for yeah. Terrence uh, last night. You're damn right. It's always a big night for Terrence Ross. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get to the dude of the game for the game against the Knicks on Sunday. And this one uh, you have chosen. I think we kind of chose it in concert actually beforehand. But it's Chris Boucher, who's been on a nice run lately, his fourth dude of the game. I think that puts him back at the top of the leaderboard with Yuta Watanabe and Fred Van Vliet. So a really nice recent run of play here for Chris Boucher. Last night against the Knicks or yesterday afternoon goes for 12 points, four boards two steals two blocks in 21 minutes on four of seven shooting four of four from the line as well Boucher's been on a nice run lately you know uh, a do you like buy that this is like a new version of Chris Boucher we're seeing or is this the sort of flash in the pan type month we're seeing and what do you think of his role that we saw in the game on, on Sunday where he came in with this sort of giant big man energy next to Precious Achua and a million other long dudes. And they just kind of rolled with, all right, we have this luxury now because we have Barnes and Siakam playing backup point guard for us. We can just size up and be monstrous across the board with that sort of chaos agent front court of Boucher and Achua. And they still worked Birch in as well. Uh, What were your impressions of the way Boucher was used, the way he played and how sustainable is this run of play that he's been on? Yeah, I, I think he's he's settled down quite a bit. I think his mind is probably going 100 miles a minute uh, mm-hmm. before. Uh, and I think he's talked about meditating and just easing up and clearing his mind. And I think that is helping him. You mentioned the month. I mean, he finished December, 10 games in December, 13.7 points, 7.8 rebounds, uh, 51% from the field overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, we n- knew the three-point shot was really, really struggling. So he's gone from 15% in November to 32% in December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's becoming a bit more manageable. And, you, you know, again, with spacing, uh, it's just it, the first part is, you know, just putting the thought in the defender uh, that you will shoot. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, and now, you know, we always know he will shoot. And now it's, hey, can you get get it to go down as well? So mm-hmm. I think that's coming around. And yeah, like when he's playing like this, you, you know, he, he kind of just gives you what you need off the bench, right? And it's mm-hmm. like, hey, right now it's like, can you just get some type of production, t- some type of sustainability from the bench? Uh, and Jack Armstrong was making the point that when you had the bench mob, you know, you had a, a six-point lead going up to 12 by the time the starters come back. Yeah. With this bench, you just want it to stay at six. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or, or just, like, stay afloat until uh, the starters come back. And, and Boucher, at this level, is good enough to do that or contribute towards that. Yeah, like I said before the break, I think, you know, who ultimately plays in the second unit will be dependent on how guys are playing when they get those shots. And I'm sure at some point Malachi Flynn or Delano Banton will get a moment, you know, whether just by like battle trouble or game flow or matchups or whatever. You know, Boucher or Achu is having a rough night. Someone goes out with an injury, whatever it could be. Those guys will get shots. But I think the sort of optimized version of the Raptors rotation right now includes this Boucher Achua front court. It includes probably Yuta Watanabe sliding in there in place of Svi Mihailuk. But even if not, Svi in there as the eighth guy is not like the end of the world. And then you just dot those second units with two of the Raptors starters and you're laughing. Like there's no reason to have fewer than two of the Raptors starters on the floor at all times at this point. And I think those are kind of, that's an interesting thing to watch is to watch those partnerships between the starters and how they team up to help the second units. Do you have like a favorite second unit, like in between combo of starters working as the pillars of that second unit? Like, are there, um, you know, combinations that you particularly like, don't like, what's your sort of read on that right now? Well, I think when Delano was also getting in there i liked the potential for chaos between delano and and boucher and precious right <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like hey maybe the way to go is just like maximize you know just maximum chaos uh, while they're out there so hmm. uh obviously scotty is a better version of delano um hmm. so having him out there uh with those two guys uh can kind of work i think uh precious you know, I, I think finishing around the basket is obviously uh, something that he really needs to work on. Um, Not just finishing around the basket. It's moving the ball above one foot off the ground around the basket because he'll get it, bring it down, and then it's just like, here, smack it away, please. I beg you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, it's almost like when he gets an offensive rebound, mm-hmm. It's like it's it's good for the team just in that solitary second that he actually grabs it. Yeah, it's a sinking everything feeling that follows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not gonna pass it back out. He's gonna try. And I remember there was that possession against the Knicks mm-hmm. where he he gets the ball inside and it's pump fake, pump fake, pump fake, and you can hear Chris. Boucher, just be like, just go up, just go up, go yep. up, go up. Yep. <laughs> and, then it, and, then, and then the ref calls three seconds, and then Precious is like, ah. And it's like, yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> if Boucher had you, man, like, he, like it was very clear what the, what the decision was here. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I think, 
I agree. Like having Barnes with the second unit, a I think is a way to get Barnes on the ball more, which he's not going to get a ton of opportunity to do when he's playing next to Siakam, OG, and Fred. And I also think Gary Trent Jr. in that second unit is similar idea, right? Like he's kind of the outlet and the last sort of resort in a lot of ways in that starting five. If you pair him with Barnes with just some like dudes who will fly around and rebound and be maniacs, like I really like that combination as a way to get both Barnes and Trent their touches without kind of compromising the overall rotation. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's probably a good place to leave it here. I got to say, very happy to be talking about a full Raptors team, man. I kind of have like a pep in my step talking about this team in a way I haven't for the last couple of weeks. It's nice. It seems like hopefully, knock on wood, they've got this COVID stuff behind them for now when a lot of other teams certainly do not. And so I guess you got to like count your blessings there um, and hope that it kind of holds up. And yes, they're playing without fans, but hey, the, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're still making it happen, and that's great. Uh, we'll continue on talking about this week of games. Obviously, it's a loaded schedule this week, so we'll dig into all the games and, and, and break them all down for you, preview them, hit on some other evergreen topics throughout the week. But Vivek, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thank you for being here, man. Anything you'd like to promote for the good people out there? The usual stuff, man. Uh, Raptors.com, CBC Sports, Complex Canada. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. Excellent. You can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to, rate, review this podcast and all your favorite podcast platforms for absolutely free. Same as YouTube. You can go subscribe for the low, low price of On the House. Support the show. It's very much appreciated. And uh, let's start off 2022 right here on the podcast 2021 was an awesome year as i mentioned in the last episode it was by far the biggest year we've ever had downloads wise and views and all that stuff so thank you from the bottom of my heart to all the wonderful listeners out there you're fantastic beautiful and wonderful and uh hopefully this is the another huge year where we get to actually talk about like a good non-depressing basketball team like much of 2021 was all about uh so thank you with that we'll leave it there we'll come back tomorrow Still figuring out if tomorrow's episode will be a daytime episode or a post-game podcast after the Spurs game. Might do it that way just because it's a doubleheader and timeliness is always kind of an issue. But we'll get to that and figure that out tomorrow. Either way, thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again on Tuesday with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.